Welcome back to The Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here by our host and star of this show, Jerry Trupiano. This is On the Record with Jerry Trupiano, episode 469 on the network, number six of the day. I said we got Wild Turkey Thursday today. This is the sixth and final episode on Thursday. You guys got to listen to the likes of Pat Hankin, the Hall of Famer, Jim Cott, Gordon Blakely early on, Yankee Super Scout. Um, Got a great guest for you to cap it off today, and I know Jerry's running through Major League Baseball's division, so... You'll hear a little bit more of that. I won't spoil the punchline. But before we get started, just want to thank our sponsors. Make sure you guys check out Millions. If you go on the Millions, which will, the link will show up in our show notes. It's also on all of our social pages. You can click on the Book Me option. Advertisers, you can get our attention on there through Book Me. Let us know what you want. Put a proposal in, and we will certainly take a look at it. And uh, we'd love to join with great products. Also, you can get our posts like Jerry for speaking engagements. So you also do it under the same tab, Book Me. Also, look on the shop app, uh, the shop icon. You can check out our new merchandise. We have two uh, two sets of hoodies, two sets of T-shirts, and brand new baseball cap here for men and women, all the merchandise. So check that out. And you can also get to know our hosts a little bit better through the experiences portion of it. You can hire them, ask them a specific question about their vocation, about baseball. They'll give you a 30 to 90 second answer on there. And it's a great, great way to get to know our hosts a little bit better. Also want to thank Jaw Bats, the newest certified Baseball bat in Major League Baseball. My son Tanner's using his M110 model. Lefty righty. Our very own Jeff Fry of She Gone is using his C271 pull side double in his first fantasy camp down with the Red Sox. So as he said, it's got to work. Um, but at, at checkout, you use RVG at checkout. It'll get you a discount on a brand new bat. Also the kinetic arm. We think it's baseball's answer to all these arm injuries, Jerry. The kinetic arm, uh, it overloads the stress on external rotation prevents arm lag, multi-joint dynamic stabilizer, also aids in deceleration. Use RVG DAG at checkout. We'll get you a discount on that as well. Our very own Jim Cott's going to be sporting one down in spring training for the Twins, so you can check them out if you're down there. Also, one-on-one college pathway program. In the last four years, they've, put, uh, they've been able to manufacture $540 million in scholarships for baseball and basketball, so one-on-one college pathway. And also our newest one, you're going to love this one, Jerry, Monet. It's a hair product, and they said that they can cure my hat head. So I'm saying, okay, all our baseball guys love it. A lot of our hosts said they don't have enough hair to cure hat head, but I said it doesn't grow hair back, but whatever they got, it'll keep it nice and clean and smelling. So we'll be announcing some stuff with them next week. With that, who do we got tonight? We have, we're honored to have Mandy Bell from MLB.com, who covers the Cleveland Guardians. I've been practicing this all day. Broadcasting Major League Baseball for over 20 years, I've had to practice not seeing the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Guardians. So, Mandy, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. Uh, where are you at these days? Uh, thanks for having me. I'm out in Goodyear, Arizona right now. Uh, I hate for... you. I hate you. <laughs> I want to be in spring training. I can honestly say that this is the best weather that I've had, at least in spring training uh, over the last six years. It is wonderful out here, not to brag too much. Yeah, it's the best time of year, isn't it? It is. Well, let's let's. Where do you want to start? You want to start top of the division because I want to look at the uh, American League Central. That's what we're visiting. 
You want to start at the top of the division or the bottom of the division? Your choice. Well, I'm honestly wanting to start at the top because I'm curious to hear what we are saying is the top because it's really hard to know right now. <laughs> well, you'd have to say the Minnesota Twins, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. But it's just there's so much that's un- unknown right now. It just it doesn't seem like maybe they'll be as as good as they were last year. And then you look at the Guardians where there's all these question marks, the Tigers, who knows what to expect there. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess, yes, because of last year, you have to start there. So I, I get, without offending anybody, I, I guess we can say the American League Central is the Rodney Dangerfield of, of the American League. That fair? I think, I think so. I think that's fair to say. All right. So let's take the Twins. They're coming off a, a season where they won the division, uh, 87 and 75 record. Why, why do we put question marks behind them right now? I don't, I don't know because I just I don't know necessarily if they're better. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is trying to figure out if they're better because most of last year they just they ended up being a really fun team in the playoffs, especially because of Royce Lewis and everything that he is and he's so exciting for baseball. So I get that and I understand that he's a fantastic player, but it just they didn't really pull away from the AL Central last year when that was such like a historically bad year. Uh, the Guardians were still in it somehow, even after going into the deadline thinking, okay, well, we're not going to catch the Twins, so let's kind of just start looking forward to next year. And then they were forced to make panic moves in the uh, in August to try to stay competitive for the last bit of the season because the Twins wouldn't pull away. So they just they didn't have too much separation even last year and I don't necessarily know if they did too much to get better so I just I'm not quite sure if I'm 100% in on them being a guarantee to be back at the top of the division is it a case of being in this division the way it is right now they really don't have to do a lot to win it again that's I mean that's 100% true because you look around the league and not really many people are doing too too much. The Royals went crazy with signings, but I I just don't know if those signings are enough to take them uh into like a contender competitive level coming off of a 100 loss season. I mean that's just it's hard to completely do a 180 from that back to back years. So you look around the division and they're really there's not too much competition, at least out there during during the off season, of who's going after this free agent, who's signing this guy, who's getting better. So yeah, the argument can be made that they don't have to do too much, but it, it just seems like the window's there for them to keep on building. And I know for so many teams, the um, TV contracts, the TV deals were big question marks and and all of their payrolls and things like that. So that made it difficult to really understand how to approach the off season, but even still, yeah, it just seems like it could be another repeat of last year where it's hard to know who's going to be able to just sort of edge out a win. (laughs) What if I, what if I painted this scenario for you? What if I said Carlos Correa returns to form and Byron Buxton stays healthy? How would you feel about the twins then? I think that they're, I think that they're in definitely better shape. It's just, it's hard to ever know what Byron Buxton will be. Um, because you just you have every other week it seems like he's a headline about something popping up and I'm sure for him especially it's ridiculously frustrating but 
um, that definitely takes them up a notch. You just you just can't completely bank on it. It's not something that you can fully believe until you see it that these guys will be able to be healthy and back to their the form that we all pictured them to be. And that makes them definitely a more dangerous team, without a doubt. How would you rank their pitching? Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I think that the the pitching in the AL Central, I think will always, in general, go towards the Guardians just because it seems like they're able to create something out of nothing. Like you just never even expect these guys to be coming up and you never expect uh, this no-name guy who wasn't really even on your radar to be the next big thing. And somehow they keep they keep doing that. And I think it'll be difficult just because they don't have Sonny Gray again this year. You have that being a different type. I don't know. Maybe they've they've gone down just slightly in their in their rotation than what they had last year. Um, so maybe that's another reason why I'm just assuming in my head that they might not be the same team that they were or coming back out and being the overall favorite for this year. Maybe that's the reason why it's in my head. But yeah, I, I think that um, Sonny Gray obviously was such a, a big part for them. And I know I, I helped our MLB.com writer, Do Hyung Park, in the postseason. And I remember being in that clubhouse whenever they were going home and they were officially over the season was officially over for them they were eliminated and how gut-wrenching it was for him to start to swallow the fact that he wasn't going to be back in that room because it seemed like not only did he love being there but it seemed like he had such an impact on this team Um, and he was really close with these guys and was sort of like that a veteran presence for them so I I think that overall is going to be difficult too. Has uh, Pablo Lopez really arrived? Um, I'm not, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I think it was really, really enjoyable to watch him last year in the postseason. Um, it was, I, I really think that that can't like that sort of speaks for itself and getting that type of, um, experience and being able to see him have the type of all-star year that he had last year. So yeah, I think that, um, he's now proven maybe a couple years in a row now, everything's starting to blend together, but it just feels like a few years in a row now that he's right around that three, three and change ERA mark. And I mean, that's, that's the consistency that is really, really reliable. That's what teams are craving in their starting rotation. And so I, I really do think that he's going to be an anchor for this rotation. You mentioned Royce Lewis earlier. How good is he? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think you just go back to the postseason last year and watch all of that. Not only is he just a good player, fun to watch, but he's, like, built for these big moments, it seems like. Um, And talking to him, he just seems like a guy who is wise beyond his years. It's hard to imagine that he's only had a handful of big league games under his belt because it seems like he's been around forever. It seems like he's a seasoned veteran when you talk to him in an interview. And I think all of that plays into why he is who he is and why he was able to deliver in the big moments last year. I think that he just has the makings in so many different ways of being a star. And so I'm excited to watch the way that his career continues to pan out. Do they have enough offense? 
I think that's a question for like everybody in the ALC. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to hear that question a few times today. <laughs> I don't know. And I think it's not, I don't even know, I don't know how to answer for any of these teams because so much of it's going to be dependent on injuries if everyone can stay healthy. Um, we already touched on Carlos Correa because if, if he can be Carlos Correa, that's a huge difference for this offense. If you can have Royce Lewis repeat what he was able to do in a limited window last year, there's just big questions of these types of things. So I'm not sure. I, I think we're going to continue this theme of do they have enough offense all through the AL Central. Yeah. And they finally won a playoff game last year. 30 they years. did. 30 years between playoff wins. I know. It was impressive. It was great. I mean, it was really fun to be there. That crowd, unlike anything I had ever seen before, they were dying for that one win, and they really celebrated it. Let's look at the ball club that that you follow, the the Guardians. Uh, Stephen Voigt, the new manager, he's got big shoes to fill because uh, Terry Francona, to me, having worked with him in Boston, and I know I'm prejudiced about this, I think he's a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, that's really, really tough shoes to fill. And I think that Vogt's handling it the best way that he possibly can of understanding that he'll never fill them and just trying to be his own person, blocking out the fact that he's coming in after a legend is leaving and just trying to figure out who he is as a manager. Because not only do we not know what he is, he doesn't know what he is because he's never done it before. And so he's trying to learn on the fly here of what's going to work, what's not going to work, and relying on all of his experiences of being the veteran in every clubhouse that he's been in. And this is just kind of the role that he's already started to take on in the late end of his playing career. So this seems so far like it's been a smooth transition for him and figuring out how to relate to everybody in the room. But I think we'll learn more, obviously, once we get into some spring training games this weekend and then once we get into the regular season to see how he handles in-game decisions. Based on health, will will Tito have any role with the ball club? I think eventually, I, I mean, they've already said at some point he will, and it's not like he's not involved in the organization right now, so to say, but I think he just needs some time away, and he knows that the organization knows that he needs to get himself healthy, and while he was in a baseball season, he couldn't yeah, do his, that. His, yeah, his, his health has been a problem. And, you know, one of the greatest guys in the game. He's really good people. He really is. And it's just been difficult to watch him at the end of such an incredible career just sort of limp to the finish line because of all of these health things that continued to pop up. So um, he needs to address that. He needs to just have this year, two years, whatever it takes to focus on himself and make sure that he can be okay in day-to-day life, let alone getting back into the baseball world, but the guardians have already extended that olive branch and they've already said he's going to be with this organization in some capacity. We're still working through what that's going to be based on where he is. Once his health is back to a hundred percent. Back in the day when I came over to the American league from the national league and the Cleveland franchise had a different nickname. They had an outfield that featured Albert Bell, Kenny Lofton, Manny Ramirez. There was some offense there. Oh, yeah. What what about the Guardians? They don't quite match up, do they? No, no. Not when you're naming those names. That, that It's not quite the same. I mean, you have Jose Ramirez, who every single year is going to be some sort of an MVP candidate, whether he's t- towards the top three of that list or he's down near 10, whatever it might be. He's always getting consideration from people. And it's it's impressive to see that consistency year in and year out, especially for – Largely how underrated he is on a national 
perspective. So I, I think that that's always a point of relief for the Guardians to know that they can rely on that and that two or three spot in the order, whatever they end up choosing for him this year. Uh, Josh Naylor had an excellent year last year offensively, but we need to learn this year if that's repeatable, if that was something that uh, was just Naylor in peak form and and maybe he'll settle back down and come down to earth this year. We're not quite sure yet. From there, they have just so many question marks about young players, and that's dangerous because it can be a lot of growing pains. But at the same time, it could also be something where they saw in 2022 where youth led them to the postseason because they didn't really know any better and they just had fun and everything sort of fell their way when it came to luck. And maybe they can run into that again this year and the young players can actually develop on the fly and and have smooth transitions to the big league. So there's just a lot of question marks uh, aside from those two, Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor, in that like three, four spot in the lineup. Okay, if there are a lot of questions, would run producer be right near the top? Yeah, I think multiple, that's... Multiple run producers. Yeah, I think that's really a concerning spot for them of wondering how they're going to score enough because they didn't last year and then they didn't add to the offense over the winter. So when you didn't do that, how is it going to get better? And I think that they're hoping that Kyle Manzardo, who they traded Aaron Savali for at the trade deadline last year, Um, they're really hoping he's going to be that difference maker. He had an excellent fall league. He's looking great so far early in spring, but again, we haven't even gotten to games yet. So it's, it's, they're hoping at some point, whether it be opening day or midway through the season that he ends up coming up, they're hoping he can be that bat that they're getting some pop from because they just don't have power in this lineup and they want, they want run producers, and, and he could be one of them, but they need Andres Jimenez to go back to his 2022 form. They need a lot of guys to start waking up in that offense in order to be able to do that. Now, you mentioned Jose Ramirez. Mm-hmm. What about the rest of the infield? Un- unsettled or settled? Um, you have Jose at third. You have Andres Jimenez at second. Uh, what the arguably the best second uh, defensive second baseman in the game. So that I mean, those are really two great staples. And as long as Jimenez can settle back in at the plate and be the guy he was in 2022 and who he was in the last month of last season when he finally just relaxed and let himself play again, that's those two are really solid for you. You have Josh Naylor over at first base as well. And that should be interesting to see if he is that same bat that he was last year, as I was saying before. And then shortstop's a question mark right now for them. I think it's going to be Gabriel Arias until proven otherwise. But he didn't hit the ball the way that he did in his minor league career last year. He struggled mightily against left-handed hitters, splits that he had never seen before in his career. So was that just a fluke? Was he putting pressure on himself? Was he trying to just play to make sure he's in the lineup tomorrow? It, it, there was, it's unsure why that happened, and they're trying to figure that out through spring, through this year. So it would either be him or maybe someone like Brian Rocchio, who's been one of their top prospects for the last few years, battling it out for shortstop. Guardians always seem to find pitching, don't they? They do. I don't know how, but they really just churn it out like <laughs> unlike anything I've ever seen before. Because, again, I – you have these lists that are going out there about the top rotations in baseball and they're never on them at like right now, just because their, their guys are so unknown, but they do have the potential if everyone stays healthy to like quietly be one of the best rotations in baseball to be really, really 
lethal because you have Tanner Bybee, who is the runner up for the rookie of the year last year. Yeah. And then you have Gavin Williams, whose stuff is some of the best in their whole organization. And then Logan Allen, who uh, can, if he can learn how to be a little bit more efficient and get deeper into his outings can be one of the most consistent and reliable number five starters out there. That's amazing to think that he could be, uh, just the number five guy for them. So if everyone can stay healthy, they ran into injuries last year. This could be. This will definitely be their biggest bright spot on their roster. Was there much of a shakeup in the coaching staff with uh, with Terry Francona's retirement? Not as much as maybe you would have uh, expected, and I think largely because Vote is so new to this that he didn't have like a whole clan of guys that he wanted to bring along with him. Craig Albernaz will is now the bench coach, and the two of them, Vote and Albernaz, have known each other for 12, 13 years now and are very, very close, and I think that will be really great for that relationship, that manager-bench coach relationship. Um, but aside from that, their hitting coach, Chris Fuleka is back. Their pitching coach, Carl Willis is back. And I think Carl's going to be the key to this whole, this whole production because he has so much experience in this game and vote has said countless times already. We've only been here for a little over a week and he keeps saying, we're going to lean on Carl. We're going to lean on Carl. He's trying to figure out how to do all of this stuff. And there's no one better than Carl Willis. And the fact that he's, obviously led this team to having some of the best pitching staffs over the last few years um, and even earlier in his career. Uh, I think that that's going to be the key is that he's still here and he can help everyone, um, whether it be players or other coaches who are getting into this organization for the first time. That was my point of bringing it up because if you have somebody like uh, Stephen Vogt, who's never managed before at any level, you need that bench coach that you're comfortable with and, and have confidence in. But handling the pitching staff is such a big item for for a manager. And to have somebody like Carl Willis there has to be a, a big benefit. Yes, and he says it, I'm telling you, he says it countless times. He's He's mentioned it almost every single day that we've talked to him because it is critical. And he says it's such a weight off of his back that he never has to worry about the pitching staff. He says, obviously, yes, at the end of the day, no matter what, all of the decisions are going to be mine. But the fact that I have someone as reliable, trustworthy, and experienced as Carl Willis beside me to help guide me in these early days, especially of making the right decisions, just takes all the pressure away. So that'll be huge for him. Since we're on the subject of managers, I guess the guy with the the most experience would be the uh, Tigers manager, A.J. Hinch. Mm -hmm. What about that Detroit ball club? They, they're they interesting because it just seems like they're on the rise. And it's been a while since uh, the Tigers were really a team to keep an eye on or circling those games on like an AL Central type of matchup. It's been a while. And um, it's always been Guardians fans hoping for the Tigers to come to town so that they can win a handful of games here. So I, I do think that this team is on the rise. And I, I think that this could be someone who is someone like, I don't know, sne- like a sneaky like contender this year. Um, they proved it last year where they were still in the mix. So they, the Guardians dropped down to third place by the end of the year. I think that this could be a fun team and fun for a city that hasn't been able to have a lot of fun for the last few years. Tell me if you've heard this before in this conversation. The Tigers need to find offense. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've heard that plenty of times for, again, every team in the AL Central. And it just, for some reason, these small markets in this division just have not been able to find the answers. And I, I know that they're looking. Um, I know that they uh, recently brought in like Gio Urshela. They're trying to come up with different creative ways to find flexible players that can have a bat and have had some success. And um, But they, they need to make sure that that's their biggest question mark too, of just trying to figure out how to nail this down so that they can be the contender. They can be that fun team that the city has been waiting for. I wonder how much they're kicking themselves over acquiring uh, Javier Baez. Yeah. I mean, I think it's tough. And I, I, I think that there's, there's a whole bunch of, uh, yes, kicking yourself. I think that's probably the best word that you can come up with. It's it's not the maybe most ideal situation. You look at through his statistics over the last few years, and uh, well, you know, it's just not it's not been the the best way that this could have panned out for them. But I mean, they're into this deep now. I mean, they're they're locked in with him, and and I think that they're hopeful that that would be something that can turn around but i mean it's it's not the easiest situation and i think it's something that they're hoping that that could be somewhere that they can get the offense from eventually what about uh if i if i asked you to find me something positive about the detroit tigers what would it be I think I think that there's just a lot of optimism around this team just because that they started to show hints of it last year and it was more than just like the Miguel Cabrera send-off. I I think that was also special last season and the Guardians were able to finish their regular season in Detroit so we all had a front row seat to that last home series and you could see the 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 meaning that he had in that whole city, what he meant to that organization. And I I think that there was some specialness about just that that season in general because of Miggy saying goodbye and everyone knew that it was going to be his final year. But I, I do think that they showed, even though they had a below 500 record, which four of the five teams in the AL Central did anyway, um, I think that they showed that there is some promise there and it's just year after year for some teams, it's just slow and steady wins the race. And I think that there was enough um, of a preview in there that you can know that there is maybe better days ahead. And I think that they're trending in the right direction. I think someone like Spencer Torkelson is a really exciting player. And I think he has been, I think Casey Mize is an exciting player. Um, You have these types of guys that because they've struggled so much, you have top draft picks that are now starting to get to the big leagues and you're starting to see what they can do at the big league level. And I think that the youth and the guys that you've been hearing about in this system finally getting up to this point and starting to make an impact at the big league level. I think that's a reason to be excited in itself. We're talking with Mandy Bell, who covers the Cleveland Guardians for MLB.com. And we talk in this game, we talk a lot about, for some reason, contracts and and, and money. But when you when you mention Miguel Cabrera, when you see a player like that who genuinely 
enjoys playing the game and brings that enthusiasm besides his considerable talent to the ballpark. Man, you really appreciate somebody like that. You do. And it's just so rare now to see guys play one that long of a career. You have 21 years in the big leagues. And I know that it wasn't all just with one team. I know he was split between two teams, but still the tenure that he had in Detroit, you just don't see that anymore. You don't see a guy being with that one team for 16 years. It's just, I think it's, it says a lot about him and not only says just that consistency of being there and staying with the, with the tigers. It's just the numbers year after year. We're so consistent. It's so fun to go back and, and look through his all-star years in those early 2010s of like seeing how many, if you look on his baseball reference page, you see how many bold and italicized numbers, seeing how he led the league or led the majors, whatever it might have been. It's so fun to look back on that stuff because so many of the guys in the game now grew up watching him. And he was the guy that these guys were aspiring to be. And so it's so fun whenever those types of players are honored the way that he was last year and you can really celebrate a career like that because you just you don't see it every day and he was really one of the special ones yeah we learned about him very early in his days with the marlins when in a game with uh roger clemens who buzzed his tower and all he did was get up and hit it out of the ballpark (laughs) that is a unique individual yes it is all right, let's let's uh, move on. Right, before we leave the Tigers, mm-hmm. AJ Hinch. Let's talk a little bit about him. What? Yes. So he's the most experienced manager in in the division, and and the long baseball lore has said a manager makes the difference in ten to twelve games. If I don't know if that holds holds up, <laughs> is that enough? If that if that the cliche is true, is that enough for the Tigers with? the young talent to get on the heels or even get by the twins. I don't, I don't know if it's enough, but what I will say is that I think no one would be better fit for this team and for this type of challenge than AJ Hinch. And I think he's already started to show that since he got to Detroit and how they've started to trend back upwards since he's been there. I mean, this is, this is a team that's gone through some really deep, rebuild years and I think that truly he's one of it seems like one of the best managers that are in the game I know there's a history there I know that there's some bad that's in his past that is difficult to let go of with other organizations but what he's able to do as a manager I think speaks for itself and I think that he has a chance to really prove that this year as this team is young and it's on the rise and it's moving in the right direction I think he's sort of like a Terry Francona in a way of where I believed in 2022 that watching him when he became the manager of the year, there really wasn't any other person that would have been able to handle that youth and get them all to pull in the same direction, buy into the same message and get to the postseason than Tito was in that season. And so I sort of get the same feeling about AJ Hinch that There's no one better fit for this group and to handle that type of challenge where you're trying to overcome so much adversity that you've had in the past to be a contender for the first time in a while. I I truly think that he's going to be the best fit for that type of a challenge, and he has been for the last few years. So I, I don't necessarily know if he will be the difference maker and pulling the Tigers over top of the Twins, but I don't think anyone else would be able to do it better. 
All right, we've talked about the Guardians, we've talked about the Twins, we've talked about the Tigers, and possibly, possibly two of the teams, like the Guardians and the Tigers, catching the Twins, possibly. we got two more teams in the, in the division, and it's going to be a long summer in Kansas City and in on the south side of Chicago. Let's start with the Royals. Man, oh, man, they have some problems. <laughs> I mean, coming off of a 100-plus loss year is never fun. And I think that one week in December, it seemed like your phone was going off every seven seconds with a new Royal signing. They went a little crazy and maybe not break the bank type of signings or anything that would push them over the edge. But it was pretty clear that the organization really wanted to try to right the ship because that is just that is not fun to go through. And when you have a player on your team like Bobby Wood Jr. and you're trying to build around that and you obviously extend him, but you know what you have in front of you and you want to capitalize on this prime that he's going to be going through. Yes, there's going to be moves that need to be made. And I, and I think that they're at least trying to go in that direction. I don't know if it can be a 180 from what they were last year to suddenly being uh, a fantastic best team in the division type of team, but um, I, th- I think that they're at least showing that they're capable of trying to make strides. And I thought it was a huge um, statement that they were even able to lock him up to uh, Bobby Witt Jr. to a, a long-term deal that they were able to do. Because you just don't see small market teams like that be able to do those types of contracts. Yeah, they, 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 and, and, they're, and they were busy, as you say, with, with pursuing free agents, signing players, bringing people in. But, but quantity rarely... Mm-hmm. Over overtakes quality. Yeah, and that's one hundred percent true. And so I, I think that they're hoping with um, w- the moves that they were able to do that maybe they can get lucky with one or two, and it actually sticks. It doesn't mean that every guy that they brought in is going to be able to make the difference in this organization. Um, but I just think that th- it shows how I don't want to use the word desperate because that's a that's a big word, but it just shows the need for them to try to find a different answer and the want that they have to find that answer immediately after going through such a grueling year last year. Is any of it tied to the pursuit of a new ballpark? I don't know. From the outside, it's hard to know that for sure. Um, I know that there's, I mean, I know that's hanging over them and I know that that's something that they've been uh, obviously very focused on. And that's going to be something that's talked about constantly until that new ballpark is completely locked up and figured out. But um, from the outside, it's just so hard to know how much of an effect that makes. Yeah. Seven straight losing seasons for the Royals. They used to be among the cream of the crop, but then I used to be 25. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, things changed and this one changed, it seemed like overnight for a little bit there. Like, it just seems like it wasn't that long ago that they were really into the mix of all of this. And then they just completely fell off and they have not been able to find their way back into it just yet. Once the summer gets underway, let's say we get to midsummer. Would you expect Salvador Perez still to be with the ball club? Hmm. I mean, a veteran catcher, even though it's his numbers and things have gone down. I'm not, it's, I'm not sure. I, I, I think I would lean toward yes for right now, but you can hear the hesitancy in my voice. Um, it's hard to commit one way or the other because you can see how it would pan out in either direction. But for now, I would say, I would say yes, just because of the numbers and maybe it's, 
Um, not as easy to, to, ah, I don't know. It's, it's hard because you see 2020, the last few years he's had good, there's been years that he's had good years. Then there's years that he's starting to taper off and you can tell as he gets older, that things aren't quite obviously clicking the way that they have as they were in the past. So you can see how it would be, the numbers could be intriguing. You can see how that they could be falling off. So I, I don't know. I'm going to lean towards yes for now, but my answer can probably change 1200 times before we get to midsummer. <laughs> if, if you were, if you were trying to, if you were trying to decide what, what is a main problem for this ball club? And I think it's, it's, it's easy to trace with any team that struggles when they're starting pitchers do not eat up innings and they have to go to that bullpen more often than not. It usually spells trouble. And you look at Kansas city, their, their starters didn't give them a whole lot of innings. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, you can start with pitching for a lot of stuff. And I think the guardians are proof of how as long as you have pitching, you can stay competitive and you can work around offensive issues. But it's so difficult to have the offense make up for bad pitching or not getting enough pitching. Um, and so I think that's more of the problem for Kansas City is that they need to figure out how to get more out of their pitching staff um, and have guys who are exciting coming up like Bobby Witt Jr. be able to thrive offensively and not need to just carry the whole team. It's trying to then support the pitching staff that's keeping them within the game rather than always trying to either overcome deficits or overcome short starts and the bullpen gets depleted, whatever it might be. That's a difficult recipe for success. And so I think that that's the reason maybe where they've been struggling to get back on the right side of things of they don't have the pitching to rely on. And for so long, it just didn't seem like they had the guy to build around. And so now they finally have the guy to build around. And you have that in Bobby Wood Jr. So if you can build around him and you can build an offense around him, if he's your foundation, you need to make sure that you can have some pitching that can keep this offense in games enough so that you can at least reap the ben benefits of having someone like Bobby Witt. If you're going to build a staff and look for a number one, could Cole Riggins be that guy? I think he could. I think that there's um, a lot of upside there. I think that there's going to be a lot of, I think every year for Kansas City, there's a lot of figuring things out throughout the season. Um, but I do think that you could have someone like that. I mean, I think he's mid-20s, 26, probably somewhere around there. Um, and I think that that's a, an exciting type of person to build around. And it's just someone who needs to um, more prove himself more at like the big league level and show that he can make that type of transition and that he can really be that type of a guy for them to build around. I think, I, I mean, there's, there's obviously going to be a lot of question marks like I've said for a lot of these teams, because it just seems like so many of these AL Central teams are young and there's a lot of guys coming up. But you think of a, a lefty first rounder who has that type of um, excitement and, uh, around him coming up through the minors. That's someone that you would dream about being able to build around. It's just whether or not he would be able to step into that type of role and be able to be reliable and, and uh, consistent for them. 
a young team, a young staff, but they bring in veterans like Michael Walker and uh, Seth Seth Lugo. They, they need those guys to to, to to really give them some innings and, and and maybe some leadership. I think leadership is really underrated when it comes from the outside of just looking at how important that is for a young clubhouse. Um, just speaking personally of being able to see what it was for the Guardians over the last two years, being able to see their clubhouse up close. In 2022, they had a guy like Austin Hedges, who is now back but wasn't there last year. And he was such a leader for that team, and he was a, a vo- big voice in that clubhouse that kept everyone together. Um, and they were able to have the success that they had. They got past the first round in the playoffs and um, lost in the DS, but they were able to have success, and they all were pulling in the same direction and then the next year, there weren't that many changes, but Austin Hedges, that leadership um, type of voice was gone and that veteran presence was gone. And suddenly it was a little bit more scattered, disorganized maybe in some ways and just not quite the same camaraderie in that room. And the wheels fell off the cart for them more last year. And yes, they didn't have the same luck. But I, I do think that leadership is very underrated, especially for young pitchers. I think that that could be something that really helps this team just get some guidance. I, I think that being able to lean on seasoned guys to teach and to draw off of their experiences as you're going through seasons where you're hitting growing pains or hitting lumps along the way, I think it's really critical to have those types of guys to lean on. If we credit the Royals with trying and having having the desire to improve things and 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 making moves, what do we say about the Chicago White Sox? I I don't know what to say about the Chicago White Sox. I don't I, think they know what to say. I really don't know because it was quite a fall, very very quickly. I I I just I don't know what to make of this organization. I don't know what to expect from them this year. I think me and a lot of people are not expecting much just because they're they're confusing. <laughs> like I really don't know what this team necessarily is and I and I I don't know what kind of production they'll have, but I just I don't think they they did too much to try to completely turn this around from how bad it has gotten and I don't know. I I truly don't have many words to figure out what to expect from the Chicago White Sox. And and that's not not only the the talent on the field, but they had a bad clubhouse situation. They had they had they had some bad mojo going on behind doors. It seemed like it. It seemed like every time you would hear some sort of a report from that that team, it just seemed like it it was not the happy clubhouse that it had been in the past. It did not seem like everyone was getting along. It did not seem like uh, maybe even with the manager that they had and and the thing the situation that they had, it just didn't seem like everyone was on the same page and. Um, he actually, Stephen Vogt was just talking about this today when we were talking with him, when you talk about winning and you hear guys at the end of winning seasons say credit, what got them there every single time they'll say we had a good group of guys. And he says, that's the number one thing you need is you need a good clubhouse. You need guys to get along. And if you can have that, you can start to build winning and winning helps build that even more, but you need that to start a foundation. And it just didn't seem like the White Sox had that, especially last year. And there was nowhere to build from there. I I have a great deal of respect for Tony La Russa, but that experiment did not work. It didn't. And I think that was just part of all of the 
weird nobody being on the same page type of situation. It just didn't seem like he had the same, I don't know. I don't know if he had the same way, right way of connecting with his team or figuring out how to get everyone to, to rally in the same way. It, whatever it was, it just didn't seem to work. It wasn't the right fit, and I think that the the White Sox paid for that because it just things the wheels really fell off the cart quickly for this organization. What do they have that you can put in the positive column? Anything? Um, I think I mean they definitely still have guys who are exciting or fun. Like you still look at like a guy like Dylan Cease. You still look at. Um, trying to like think through, uh, like Eloy Jimenez, you think of Luis Robert Jr. Like you have guys who have been guys in the past. Like they've been fun players, like Moncada. You have guys who have proven that they can be big playmakers, that they can, um, thrive in big moments, that they can deliver the big hit, whatever it might be. There are they've proven it in the past, and I think that that is the reason why um, you can still think that there's moments left in them, and that there still can be some exciting play in there. I just don't know if they have enough pieces that it can be consistent, or um, yeah, I just don't, I don't know if they have enough to get them to be better than what they were in, last year. They they could use an attitude adjustment. You talk about the the leadership when we were talking about with with Kansas City and with 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 a bad ball club. You need somebody to come in there and and really turn the attitude around. I I think it's I think it's important to have those types of players. I know that they just signed Brian Shaw, who apparently refuses to go away and is going to pitch until he's a hundred years old. I'm convinced. Um, he said it every year when he was in Cleveland, he's going to try to just pitch forever. I, I don't know how he still does it, but that's as veteran of a player as you're going to get. And I know that he's at least in camp right now. I don't know what the long-term future looks like for him, but just to have guys like that who have seen the game, who have probably seen every type of experience that you can have in major league baseball and to try to just impart wisdom for as long as he's with the club. And whether that's just spring training, whether that's beyond spring training or not, those types of guys are so important for teams that just are trying to go to the basics of just clicking, just getting on the right page and just looking for the proper leadership that's been missing. He's a guy who loves to talk. He loves to teach. He loves doing all of that stuff. So for any of those guys in the bullpen right now who are going to be sitting out there with him during spring training games who are just going to be going through all the motions with him during just regular bullpens and practices before the games start, I think that you can only benefit from being around a guy like that. So I do think those types of pieces are helpful. I just don't know if it's enough for something for 2024. So if we have a conversation in early October and we're talking about the American League Central, you're going to tell me that who's winning, who's there, who's in the playoffs? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I guess for right now I'm going to – I think you just sort of have to stay with the Twins just because they proved that – in, an, in a playing field like last year, they were the best team, and it doesn't seem like any team is tremendously better than what they were last year. 
So I think if all things considered, it seems like it could be just the twins repeating. Um, but I do, I, I think the guardians could be one way or the other. I think they could be really surprising and exciting. And it's the biggest question of, can they stay healthy? That rotation, I think with the rotation, if you can get a couple guys hitting, especially some of these young guys, they could be a really exciting team, just like they were in 2022. And they can give the twins a run for their money, but they could also not have any of that happen. They could have injuries. They could have guys not developing at the major league level the way they hope so. And they could be falling towards the bottom of the standings even more so than they did last year. So I think that they could be a wild card where if everything goes right, they are someone who could be very fun to watch and could be right up there. Um, But for now, I think it has to go with the Twins just because they've at least proven it in recent memory. Mandy Bell of MLB.com. Where can our listeners read you? MLB.com, right? M- Anywhere else? M- MLB.com. It's Cleveland Guardians. It's C-L-E Guardians.com. That's specific to Cleveland. Um, but yeah, there and then on Twitter, Mandy Bell 02. Great. Appreciate the time. Stay with us as uh, Svengali, uh, Dave D'Agostino, takes us home. David? Man- Mandy, thanks so much, Jerry. Wonderful interview again. Thank you. You uh, cruised right through that AL Central there. And, Mandy, you sound, you made it sound very promising for those teams. But uh, <laughs> when we got to the who's going to make the playoffs, somebody's got to make the playoffs out of that. Somebody's got to be there. <laughs> uh, uh, very diplomatic. But, no, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you to our sponsors out there. I read them all at the beginning. Make sure we support those sponsors. If you want to get in touch with Jerry on there, you can hire Jerry to speak. You can get him to answer some questions about his vocation. You can get him to, hey, boy, you talk football, basketball, baseball, you know it all, Jerry. So. I would make use of that. Make sure you hit up our merchandise and please follow Mandy on Twitter and MLB.com. And we'll make sure we tag you, Mandy, as well. And with that, episode 469 in the books, Jerry, the back end, six shows today, what we called Wild Turkey Thursday. So thanks again, guys. Yeah.